Hi, I'm R.G. Skadberg with CCSK Law. And I'm Chris Ripley. Welcome to Five Things Medicaid Wants You to Get Wrong. Now, let me just start by saying this is not against Medicaid. Medicaid is a big system that uh, I believe has a lot of people in it, probably more than it should, massively underfunded, and it really doesn't have any defenses. Um, so, But what we want to point out is that it's also a, a program that if you qualify for it, you can get services that may be necessary to help you get through different points in your life. What we're going to lean into is the long-term care aspect of Medicaid and the application process. So what we want to talk about are these five things that if Medi if you got them wrong, Medicaid probably wouldn't be too upset because it means they don't have to pay for your services for a period of time. So first of all, Medicaid would love to see you give things away. Why don't you share what that means? All right. In the world of Medicaid, giving things away is generally termed as what's called a transfer of assets. Now, I don't want to go into too many details, but essentially what Medicaid is looking at is any transfer for less than fair market value. So that could be, say, making a gift of money by writing a check, or that could be, say, selling your house to a family member for just $1. In either of those cases, there's a determination that a penalizable transfer or a gift has occurred because there's something that was given for less than its full value. And in those situations, what will oftentimes happen, unless there is an exception that applies, Medicaid will apply what's called a transfer of assets penalty, which doesn't mean that a person is ineligible, but it, what it does mean is that benefits may start at a later date. And where this really runs into trouble is, well, you've already made the gift, right. which means that you know those funds are potentially no longer available. Maybe they could be returned. Maybe they could be spent on the applicant's behalf. But if they are no longer available, they've been gifted and they're gone, then that creates a gap in support. And across the United States, about a third of nursing facility residents rely on Medicaid through, you know, through the, the states, although supported by the federal government, to provide for their long-term care expenses. And so this is, for a great many families, a great many individuals, critical and, and a delay can be an extraordinary hardship. So making those transfers without knowing the full rules can put an individual into a, a very difficult situation, both for themselves and for the facility as well. So understand, Medicaid has a formula. They have a, a, a multiplier that says, okay, you gave away X, mm -hmm. we divide that by Y, and that's how many months you're not going to be able to get services. Mm -hmm. You may qualify once you get to the end of that. But the problem is, as you said, where are the funds going to come from right. in the short time? And the other part I understand is you're going to be paying the private pay rate mm -hmm. during that period of time, which is not very inexpensive. The second thing that uh, Medicaid would like you to get wrong is to miss deadlines. Uh, as we talk about Medicaid, it is something that you can qualify if you hit all the check boxes or you check all the boxes in the right way. Mm -hmm. But that's not the end. Now, while there are some gray areas in Medicaid, the reality is that there are a lot of very hard rules, and hard rules have sharp edges. And the sharpest edges in the Medicaid rulebook are going to be those deadlines. Now, the first deadline that most folks dealing with nursing facility care have to worry about is going to be the application deadline. If somebody files an application for, for say, Indiana Medicaid, there is only a limited window as to how far back the state is going to look in order to provide benefits. It's three months before the month of application if somebody's otherwise eligible. So if you wait too long, 
those back months, even though somebody may be in a facility, might have been able to get benefits, those are just going to fall off the table, and that's going to be a lost opportunity to not only help that individual, but potentially also help the facility in making sure their, their bill gets paid as well. So we're talking about that first deadline at the application. Well, once the application's been filed, we get to the next deadline, because what will happen is the state will take that application and schedule an initial interview. Usually that happens between about 10 and 20 days from the date of the application. If the applicant or their agent misses that initial interview, more often than not, the application will simply be denied and then you're stuck starting over and you're losing time and potentially you're losing months of eligibility. Now, maybe if you're lucky, there's a missed phone call, you might be able to reschedule, but more often than not, that's just lost and you're going right back to square one. So when an application is filed, you have to make sure to get that interview notice and actually attend the interview in person or by phone. Unfortunately, oftentimes the interview notice may appear because it's being delivered by mail, may appear after the interview was scheduled. So there may be a, you know, an interview on a Friday and you don't even get the notice until the following Monday. And so you, there are additional difficulties in just tracking and making sure that that interview is happening. But imagine you attend the interview, it goes through appropriately. The next deadline is going to be to provide additional documents. Now, in all of my time of working with, with Hoosiers and their Medicaid applications, I've never had a case where the caseworker is not asked for additional documents after the interview. We provide as much as we can at, you know, at the beginning when the application is filed, but there's always something else that they're going to have a question about or want, going to want an update just because of the passage of time. So you do the interview either that day or perhaps the next day, and a request for additional documents will be sent out, and a clock begins at that date for 13 days and then that is your deadline to produce those documents. If the family cannot produce those documents within 13 days, more often than not, that results in a denial for what they call failure to cooperate. Now, there are exceptions, but they tend to be fairly hard-fought and difficult exceptions, and so if missing that deadline is an extremely uh, problematic issue, and that may require going again back to square one and maybe losing months of eligibility. The last deadline. So imagine you do all of that and there's a decision by the caseworker. If it's not a decision that fits the facts, it's not one that maybe helps the applicant, there is a very tight deadline to appeal. And that'll appear in the notice. But again, you've got to meet that deadline. And if we, we don't file the appeal on time, the appeal is lost. And again, you're losing time and losing eligibility. And even if the appeal is timely filed, the next step is a call from the hearings and appeals office and they have, the first thing they ask you about is whether or not you want to withdraw your appeal. Well, if you then do that, again, you're being thrown back yeah. to square one. So I've had you know, multiple cases in my experience where folks have come in after that initial call and they've got to reinstate their appeal because they didn't understand what was going on in that first phone call and they withdrew their appeal. Um, and now we're trying to untangle all of that. And so that can be very difficult um, and missing any of those deadlines can jeopardize months of eligibility and potentially cost a family easily thousands of dollars, especially, I mean, these days when a month of private pay at a nursing facility could be above $9,000. Indeed. So um, those are two of the main points we want to cover. We actually have five little tips that we'd like you to consider. You can download uh, the the form that, that talks about those. We actually will have a couple of additional videos to talk about those as well. Just kind of real quickly, it's understanding income versus resources, um, thinking that it's easy. Oh, all you get to do is go to the website and put the information in and 
you've got Medicaid. That's right. It's not really that easy. And then I think the other thing that probably just sort of in the world, people have heard stories. They uh, Medicaid is very confusing what it does, what it doesn't do. And a lot of people think they don't qualify, so they don't even bother to apply. So one of the things that we suggest is reach out to us. Um, Chris has done this for a number of years. He's got He knows a lot of the ins and outs. He's seen the ebbs and flows of their gray areas getting grayer. And, and I think what we can provide is just some counsel to help you understand when is the right time to apply. What do we need to be doing ahead of that time to put yourself in the best spot to be successful when we actually do apply. So, and we don't charge for that initial conversation. We want you to be comfortable calling us and making sure that we all understand what your circumstances are and how it applies to this process. We can get started by calling 219-230-3600 and we'll set up a time to chat. Um, additionally, you can put your name in, or your email in the box below and we'll send you a link to the other videos and the tip sheet that we talked about that addresses all five of those circumstances. But let's get started. Let's help, help you understand what your situation is before you let it get too far down the road. You may be closer to qualifying than you realize. So 219-230-3600. Thanks for taking some time to watch and we hope that uh, this has been helpful. Thank you.